Welcome, friends, to this brand new edition of A Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry with Pastor Brad Abley. We're delighted that you've joined us today, and we've already been praying for you, that you would meet the Lord in a fresh new way. We've also been praying that you would be changed and transformed into the image of Jesus by the power of His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, let's resume our Know Your Faith series as we go through the entire Gospel of Luke patiently, slowly, and verse by verse. Here's Pastor Brad. Well, very warm greetings to you, my dear friends in Richmond, Virginia, and the outer lying cities all the way up to Suffolk. I can hear the broadcast in Suffolk and throughout the world, throughout the continent of Africa and South and North America, and those that, that listen online, this is Pastor Brad Abley with a Heart After God Bible teaching ministry, a ministry that is designed to take you deeper into the Word of God and certainly to stir within all of us a greater heart after God. Now, my friends, I'm speaking as an American and my, my observations, though I minister in Africa, of course, my observations are more thorough here in the U.S. <clears throat> but I am not hearing or seeing people ask the question as they used to do not so long ago, but it, it really seems like it's been 10, 20, 30 years. I don't hear people really focusing on what the true meaning of life is. Why are we here? What's our purpose in life? Why is life often so hard? Why, why are we so often lonely? Why are people so empty? Why is there so much pain in the world? Why is there so much violence? You know, in, in past ages, those questions were commonly asked, explored, debated, and written about. But in our current generation, at least again, in the United States, I rarely hear such questions. And I think the reason may, that, may be that people have so many ways to numb themselves to reality. For example, we have an onslaught of social media to keep keep us from ourselves that we can check out with. Music is at most people's fingertips. People everywhere seem to always have their headphones on. Cell phones are everywhere. People can hide themselves in public by keeping their heads down and looking for often meaningless texts or whatever it is that they're looking at. I mean, look at the line at your local Starbucks, for example. Everyone is looking down at their cell phones, presumably because they don't want to be bothered with socializing with anyone. And when we're not working, we have seemingly, well, not seemingly, there are thousands, apparently, uh, of TV channels to hide ourselves away from things that really matter. People can play video games all day, and they do on their phones, their TVs, or their pads. 
And all the above examples are, in my opinion, ways to medicate ourselves from the emptiness that we carry. But is there a way out of all this? Is there any better way to live? For those courageous and honest enough to look carefully, there is. Two of the greatest thinkers in history are Augustine, the early church father in the 400s, and Blaise Pascal, an 18th century thinker. And Augustine rightly observed, he said this, you have made us, speaking of God, you have made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. In a statement attributed to Pascal, Blaise Pascal, we hear these words, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man that only God himself can fill. Now, I haven't seen those words literally from Pascal. They may be a paraphrase, but the statement itself is true. And so I want to bring us to the answer, my friends, the better way to live. And that is the eternal word of God and the writer of one of the most sought after books in scripture ever, the Psalms. David wrote more than half of the Psalms of 150 Psalms. And it was written by the man of whom God said that he is a man after my own heart. This is part two of our brief series in Psalm 63. And the title of today's message is the same as last week, only it's part two, Deep Devotion, Gratitude, and a Life of Praise to God. That describes David, and it describes this psalm, Psalm 63, Deep Devotion, Gratitude, and a Life of Praise to God. Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. We do that now, Holy Spirit. We declare, as our Lord said of you, that you are our teacher. You are the master teacher. And we ask that you would lead us and guide us into your truth. We ask for open heavens, open eyes, open ears, open hearts to receive all that you have for us. And may it result in us being transformed into the image of Jesus. And may we bear great present and eternal fruit through this message and Holy Spirit. We ask that you would save many through this broadcast in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's read now, my friends, Psalm 63. And if you have not heard last week's message, I would encourage you uh, to listen to it because there's so much there that I, I can't go over in today's broadcast. This is a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah, and his experience can be read about in 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 23. It was when his own son Absalom 
led a revolt against his father, David, to become, to usurp the kingship, to steal it away from David. And he was trying to have David, his father, assassinated. And so David fled from Jerusalem into the wilderness that he had to hide out for so many years from Saul, the previous king who was trying to kill him. David did not have it easy, that's for sure. But out of this pain, out of the fear, out of the, certainly the discouragement, the depression that that faced him every single day, he writes something so profound, and we begin in verse 1 of Psalm 63, Oh God, you are my God. I will seek you earnestly. The word literally means early, but it has the idea of earnestly. My soul thirsts for you, and my flesh yearns for you, or literally faints for you, in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now, David is speaking both naturally and spiritually. He was in the wilderness, and there is very little water in the wilderness. And without water, we faint in the wilderness, especially if it was in the summertime where the heat is so oppressive. And yet his focus is not on Absalom. It's not on his own predicament. His focus is a passionate pursuit and devotion to God. Verse 2, and David says, Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. And one of, surely one of the greatest verses in all of Scripture is right here in verse 3. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. And so I will bless you as long as I live. And I will lift up my hands in your name, which is what I'm doing right, right now. And verse 5, and my soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Translation. The New Living Translation says, it just simplifies it and says, you satisfy me more than the richest of foods or feast. And my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. Verse 6, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Well, there's something there. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. Something about the presence of God. Verse 8, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Verse 9, but those who seek my life to destroy it will go into the depths of the earth. They will be delivered over to the power of the sword. They will be a prey for foxes. 
This is David the prophet speaking. But the king will rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him will glory. For the mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. And today I want to focus on, well, I'm going to read a comment, an outstanding comment from uh, Derek Kidner and his commentary on this psalm. He writes, the longing of these verses is not the groping of a stranger feeling his way towards God, but the eagerness of a friend, almost of a lover, to be in touch with the one he holds dear. The simplicity and boldness of thou art my God is the secret of all that follows. Since this relationship is the heart of the covenant from the patriarchs to the present day, and its implications are endless, indeed literally so, as Jesus himself pointed out, in Matthew 22, verses 31 and following. What I want to focus on, since we dealt with verses, well, we dealt with just verse 1 last week, I want to focus here on verse 2 and um, maybe verse 3. Well, I can tell we're going to be taking our time through Psalm 63, but it is a life-changing psalm. And my prayer has been that God would dramatically change your life and my life through this psalm alone. But David says, now remember, he's in the wilderness. He says, thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Well, he's not in the sanctuary at this point. He had been in the sanctuary. He may be referring to the past, but he also may be referring the sanctuary was God's dwelling place, his presence in heaven and on earth. And there's something about praise and worship. When we close our eyes and we shut everything out but the Lord, he allows us to see into the spiritual realm. And as a matter of fact, the believer in Jesus Christ is seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We live between two worlds, don't we? We live on this earth, but but in the spirit, we live in the heavenly places. And David understood this. And so there's something about praise and worship where we, the, the Hebrew word translated seen, thus I have seen you in the sanctuary, is chazah. And the idea there is to see or contemplate with pleasure or to see as in a vision. And see, that's what happened with David. The, the We could call David an expert on worship. And when we worship, we, we do see as in a vision. We contemplate with pleasure when we are worshiping God. If especially if we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit and asking him to lead us and guide us in our time of worship, and if we see our worship as also a time of prayer. 
And part of prayer is speaking. Part of prayer is listening to the Holy Spirit speak to us. He says, thus I have seen you in the sanctuary, the holy place, to see your power and your glory. But there's a connection with verse 3. He says, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. And so I will bless you as long as I live, and I will lift up my hands in your name. That's a good reminder for us to repeat the title, Deep Devotion, Gratitude, and a Life of Praise to God. That's what we see in the life of David throughout his life, but especially here in Psalm 63. You know, I've been thinking that David's example of relentless pursuit of God, deep devotion, gratitude, a life of praise to God certainly influenced the Apostle Paul, who knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards and wrote this of our Lord Jesus. He said, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's a financial term, but Paul turns it around into a spiritual term. That comes from Philippians 1, 21. Is that your attitude, my friend? Is that your heart? Can you say, though I don't hear many believers say this, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain? And then Paul added a bit later in this epistle, in Philippians 3, he wrote, that I may know him, speaking of Jesus, and the power of his resurrection. Remember, David was asking for God's power and glory, to see his power and glory, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. There's a fellowship in that. The Christian life is not all power and glory. It's humility and suffering as well. Martin Luther used the phrase, the theology of the cross. Remember, we're to pick up our cross daily and deny ourselves and follow Jesus. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death and then he goes on and says, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. And Paul says, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I quoted from Philippians 3, verses 10, and the second part of, verses, of verse 12 through 14. I think 
also of Paul when in his farewell address to the elders of Ephesus, when he said, I don't count my life as dear to myself. In fact, let me just turn there and read it. It's in Acts chapter 20. And um, it's just an incredible thing that he says. Acts chapter 20, I wasn't prepared um, to read this. Just came to me, so let me find it. Yeah, Acts chapter 20 and uh, verse 24. Let's see, let me back up to um, verse 22. And now behold, bound by the Holy Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. And here it is, verse 24, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. What an inspiration, but no doubt the Apostle Paul got his inspiration at some level from David's example. Paul also could write these words to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 12, verse 11, he said, Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That's, that's a great example of David's devotion to God, his life of gratitude, his life committed to the glory of God. Charles Spurgeon, whom I quoted last week, writes this in his book, The Treasury of David, he says, communion with God is so sweet that the chill of the morning is forgotten and the luxury of the couch is despised. The morning is the time for dew and freshness, and the psalmist consecrates it to prayer and devout fellowship. He who truly longs for God longs for him now. Does that stir you, my friend, to have a greater heart after God, just like David <laughs> and just like Charles Spurgeon? Now, instead of slinking into despair and defeat as he faced great adversity, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That comes from 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 5. And how did he do it? He did it by meditating on God, meditating on his word, prayer and praise and worship. Did David do these things perfectly? No, he did not. We're not going to do these things perfectly either. However, it's the perseverance of the saints that matters the most to God, especially when times are hard and it's hard to trace God's hand, but we know his heart. We know his word. Listen, my friends, 
I am very familiar with discouragement and despair. It comes to all of us. And these things seek to overwhelm and control us, don't they? We may taste these things, but we don't have to succumb to them. We don't have to give in to them. Let them be temporary while we choose courageously instead to fight them off. How? With the power of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, especially praying His Word and declaring it when we run up against spiritual warfare or adverse circumstances. Listen, we have the Word of God as his very own promises to us when we seek him. I'll quote just a few of the verses. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus quoting Deuteronomy 8, 3 said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jeremiah 15, verse 16 your words were found, and I ate them, and your word became for me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I have been called by your name, O Lord of hosts. And remember that this is a song. This is a worship song. And so David teaches us a vital and even urgent lesson to apply daily, which Warren Wiersbe describes this way. He said, it's our regular worship that prepares us for the crisis experiences of life. What life does to us depends on what life finds in us. And then again, quoting Charles Spurgeon, he said, The absence of outward comforts can be born with serenity, peace when we walk with God, and the most lavish multiplication of them avails not when he withdraws. And so David's focus is on the right thing, and that is on God himself. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, where purity has has to do mostly with a singleness of mind and heart. I'm telling you, my friends, we can learn so much about our relationship with God and, and even about who God is by watching the example of David. Isn't that true? David, the man after God's own heart. Now, I'm going to stop here because I see that my time is running short. But let me just ask you this question. Those of you who are listening to this broadcast now, where are you at? If you should die today and God should say to you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? There is only one answer. You and I cannot get to heaven except through Jesus who said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He's the only one in the history of the world 
that went to the cross to take your sin and my sin upon himself so that through faith in him and in his sinless life, we can be declared righteous before God, forgiven of our sin and have eternal life. And my friend, he doesn't make it complicated. It is literally only a prayer away. Would you pray with me right now to receive him as we are running out of time? These words, pray with me, Lord Jesus Christ, pray with me, Lord Jesus, have mercy on my soul. Forgive me of my sin. I surrender my life to you. Live your life in me, Lord Jesus, and I will live for you and I will serve you all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus, that you are now my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of sin. Thank you for making me a brand new person. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. My friend, if you prayed that prayer, go to my website and let me know by clicking on the connect button. Until next week, May the Lord protect you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Pastor Brad, for this outstanding message and time of ministry. Friends, Pastor Brad and his wife Maureen need a prayer team. Would you kindly consider praying for them on a daily basis? Thank you for your partnership. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please tell others about it. If you would like to partner with him financially, please go to his website at bradably.com. You can also check out his two devotionals and his commentaries on Amazon.com. Until next time, we pray that our Lord stir you daily to have a greater heart after Him in every way.